This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by The Rope Trainer. And as Hall of Famer John Smoltz says, everyone should have one for big leaguers to little leaguers. So check out The Rope Trainer today. Once again, that's theropetrainer.com. Special thanks, as always, to Earl Perrin, Chris Vernon, and, of course, the Hall of Famer John Smoltz for their dedication to uh, addressing the arm epidemic that seems to be uh, never-ending around here. Lots of varying opinions on that. That, uh, that conversation will never end, but um, as I always say, use a little common sense and we can go a long way there. But people like uh, Earl Perrin and his wonderful training aid, the rope trainer, they're, they're there for you, backed up by scientific data now. And, of course, one of the guys most passionate about youth sports, John Smoltz. I um, want to welcome everybody to the show this week. Um, troubling topic this week. Um, you know, I, we talk a lot about on the show of, you know, parents, their role in all of this, coaches, their role in all of this. Sometimes things happen and they make you realize, you know, the, both the good and the bad. We love the great stories, but sometimes it seems like we have to talk about the bad stuff. And as I always say, you're never going to fix anything without talking about it. You just have to talk about it. So we're going to talk about this today. And again, I, I don't, I've never once said or tried to tell anybody, you know, don't do this, do this, don't be who you are, don't do what you think is right. Um, sometimes when it comes to parenting, we have to, you know, we, we have to parent the way we parent. I mean, I, again, how people come up with how the, the whys and the hows they do what they do, I don't know. I mean, again, we're all raised a certain way. We all grow and mature in different ways, and there are different influences in our lives. But some of the things that, that go on, they puzzle me. And today's topic puzzles me. Um, I, you, you guys all know that I'm located in Edwardsville, Illinois, which for your reference purposes is St. Louis, basically, uh, Missouri. Um, we're on the Illinois side of the river. Um, news story comes out that we have a junior in high school cut from his soccer team and the parents sued the school and the school district now um their claims are you know they're trying to go about it a different way because i guess there's and again i'm no lawyer um but there's ways uh, that the school can kind of not even deal with this so they're attacking it from a discrimination standpoint from age um the bottom line is you know the coach said that you know the skills weren't there and then the coach, trying to be nice when the, they contact him about why he was cut, tried to have some, really had some, some positive things to say about him. So then they took that as, well, he got screwed here. He should have been playing JV, but you don't let juniors play JV, so we're going to go the age discrimination route. Then the coach has got to come out and say, I was, look, I was really not trying to kick a kid when he was down. At the end of the day, his skills are just lacking. Okay? All right. So let's get down to the, the crux of the problem here as I see it. Okay? what good can possibly come of suing a school over getting cut? Now, I, I, I don't claim to, to, to believe that every situation is the same. I know they are not. I also am smart enough to know that there's usually a little bit more to the story. Okay. In this instance, when it first came out, what we saw was an email from a coach speaking glowingly of a kid that just barely got cut. 
right? And people are like, well, this seems like a bunch of crap or blah, 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 or whatever, right? Well, then you find out later the coach says, listen, if, if you're going to call me in here and I have to be honest, I'm going to have to be honest and tell you that I was fibbing. I mean, he, he wasn't that good. He wasn't this. He wasn't that. So my point is what good comes – we've lost our mind when it comes to common sense. So I don't know where we're helping. I don't know – and it goes back to the other things. I don't know when I go to a ball game and I see a 10-year-old kid – and a father absolutely blasting him from the stands because he struck out or he made it. I don't understand how that's helping. Somebody's going to have to tell me how that's helping. So I started thinking about a, a good guess for this thing. And um, I've, I've, I've had him on before. And the truth of the matter is I thought, you know, he's going to be a great guest. And the reason he's going to be a great guest is I didn't bring somebody in here today that's going to tell you how, oh, no, you got to pat him on the butt and tell him everything's going to be okay and we got to do this. I didn't bring that to you. What I brought you today is a legendary high school coach, Tom Pyle, who um, had players that would run through a wall for him that probably sometimes went home at nights and wanted to kill him, to be quite frank. But when they got older, they understood what he was doing. They understood what he was dealing with. And I had a conversation with Coach Pyle about this this week, and he had his instances where parents contacted him and people tried to get him fired and all this kind of stuff. So I want to get some differences of opinion when it comes right down to what are we really helping these kids. So let me welcome in right now Coach Tom Pyle. What's going on, buddy? Hey, good to see you, Jim. Well, um, interesting topic. Um, I know you, um, you know, number one, let's just say this. You, you know, you had your share of, See, everybody thinks this is new, right? It's not new. I mean, parents have always been emotionally charged up by their kids. It's been going on since you began coaching, correct? Correct. What year? Even when I played. I started coaching in 1970. And uh, so this isn't a new thing. Parents have always kind of been emotionally charged, you would say? I'll tell you, Jam, it's gone on ever since uh, there's been a parent and and their uh, kid. I mean, you said it best. They love their kids. I mean, that's blood out there, and so they're going to do. It hurts them. And it, I got two kids. Uh, it hurt me. My son played soccer, and, and uh, it killed me when he didn't play in, in, in as a junior. So, and, but and I went to pick up a phone about twenty times to call the coach, and I said, "No, I'm not going to do it. You just got to live with it." And then I found out there's some other reasons my son wasn't playing, and so there's always reasons. But let me address the whole problem. A coach is hired by a school district, probably the principal, the AD, and the school board. And he's hired for a reason. They want to get the best guy they can get. And part of those qualifications are that they want a guy, not necessarily in order, but they want a guy that maybe could win. They want a guy that's going to be fair, consistent, And they want a guy that can evaluate talent because you can only have so many kids on a team. I mean, it's it's for the obvious reasons. You can't have 50 kids on a team. They'll never get to play. They're standing around, and they're just not good enough. And it's very hard for parents to accept that. So, So... I'm telling you, that doesn't mean you don't discourage the kid from coming out. But a coach is hired to evaluate talent. That's part of his job. Now, let me tell you something, and then, you know, I'll answer any questions. I coached 54 seasons, football, basketball, baseball. I've been through it. I've been head coach, 
assistant coach, JV coach, freshman coach, girls and boys. So I've been through the whole gauntlet. And I also played. And I'm going to go back to when I played a, a situation. So anyway, a coach is hard to do it. He didn't think the kid was good enough. Sounds to me like he was being nice when he said, well, he's got some talent and stuff or whatever he did say to kind of sugarcoat it. And then that opened up a can of worms and they're suing. But I'm going to also share with you, I taught history 31 years. And I told him right up front, the first day, a lot of things I went over. And one thing I went over, I'm going to teach democracy. But we, do, we don't have democracy in my classroom because I'm the boss. We do what, I'm, way, what I tell you. Follow the rules and we'll get along great. Do what I tell you, like hand in your homework. Don't talk when I'm talking, stuff like that, and we'll get along great. Otherwise, we're going to have some problems. So you've got to lay down the law. You've got to have rules. You've got to have a format to follow. We're not running under democracy in the school system. Now, that said, a lot of parents are, and they always have, though, Jen. That's not new. But a lot of parents are getting involved, and, you know, that's their business. But still, there's a reason why you don't keep a kid. Well, we're going to talk a lot uh, today about all the all the things that kind of come with this. I mean, this is not like, you know, this isn't the first time this has happened. This happens. And what I and, and all you got to do is Google it. And it happens too often. Now, again, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I'm not naive. Um, I've said this 100 times. I, if, do I believe that I've said it 100 times over if somebody doesn't play or doesn't make it 99.9% of the time, it's deserving. Am I, am I to sit here and tell you that there isn't a sliver of kids that get passed over for, for a variety of reasons, and sometimes some kid gets a bad deal? Hey, that's life. And, yeah, it does happen, and it is sad. And sometimes there's just nothing you can do about it. You know, I, it, it is sad. What I do know is this. In this day and age and in this world, if there truly is a, quote, unquote, travesty going on with your son or daughter, and they're really good enough to start and they're not starting or make a team and they don't make a team, what I do know is this. There's another team right down the road. I know that. That I know. I've seen it. Okay? I've seen it play out a thousand times. And what I've seen is, and, I, and listen, I don't have any, I'm not doing any, uh, you know, scientific data-driven analysis on this. I've seen it happen enough right here in my hometown where kids leave here, leave this big old school where they're a small fish, and they go to some private school where they're the big fish, and they're, guess what, not near as good as they thought they were. And that's unfortunate because at the end of the day, a kid is just as good as he is. That's okay. It doesn't, you don't have to be it. The problem is, as I see it, to be quite frank, it's the parents. These parents lose their mind when they feel like their kid's not getting a fair shake. Now, that falls back into what my philosophy has been, and it comes from a good friend of mine that made me see things a little bit different, and that's this. Okay, I understand they're your kids. I understand you're emotional. I understand you want things for them. I understand this. I get it, I get it, I get it. But as he said, and I love it, okay, we're not talking about physical harm here. Okay, we're talking about life. It's not my job to protect my kids. It's my job to teach them how to handle themselves in tough situations that's my job hey jim let me interject something too because i've been through it all i had a kid that was a freshman and he was overweight he was nervous and he didn't show good he didn't throw very well he didn't run good certainly and he didn't make the team he was cut his sophomore year he loses some weight 
gets better, gets a little bigger muscle-wise, and he makes the team a starting team. Well, I'm taking a team down to uh, a regional a regional final, and he asked permission to go on the bus. I said, fine. So he goes on the bus. He sits behind me. I don't even know, hardly know the kid. And he says, Coach, I'm going to start for you next year. I said, you are? Good. Come out. Give it a shot. So here's a guy who got cut as freshman, played a little bit as a sophomore, and he comes out his junior year. Well, he starts for me. He hits 390. His senior year, he hits 490 and was an All-Stater and went on to college to play a little ball. So even though you're cut, there's a reason you might be cut as a freshman. You're little. You haven't grown. But that doesn't mean you give up or quit. You keep plugging, maybe get bigger. Or like Jim said, if you're not happy with the school, there's other schools. I know here at Edwardsville, in baseball and even other sports now, it's very difficult to make a team because we've got some of the top-notch teams in the Metro East area. So don't give up. Just get better and get bigger, stronger, do whatever it takes. And then at the final, say, if you don't make it, that's just the way it is. I wanted to be manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, I didn't make it, obviously. So I did the next best thing I could do. I coached in high school. So I, I didn't become the manager of the Cardinals. I should have been. There's no question. But the thing – I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I really should be. But the thing of it is, don't give up. Give it another shot. And, and, and there's other things. Get active in school. I don't care if you're in the plays or you're a director or you're a set man or you're in band or whatever you're in, chess club, get involved in something. But – it might not be the soccer, the sport that you wanted. Well, and again, I can only talk about personal experience. I, 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 I can promise you, as large of an audience as we have, and I appreciate all, all you listeners for that, there's somebody listening to the show right now going, that Jim, he doesn't know what happened to us. He wasn't here. He didn't see it. He doesn't know the background. I'm mad at Jim right now because he's blanking at us. He's putting us under a blanket with all these crazy people. No, I'm not really. Okay, I understand, and I said that you might have a unique situation, but what I am going to blanket you in is how you handle that situation, okay? If, you have to explain to me how you putting your son on a stage and suing is going to help him. How in the world is that going to help him? There is no way. There has got to be a better way to figure out what went wrong and how it went wrong and what the real issues are. I assure you there's always more to it, and that is what I'm saying, okay? So I want to look at all the different things. I'm going to talk about some things I've seen. I'm going to talk to Coach about it because I think people need to understand what it's really about and how it really works at the end of the day because I, I, I can't – I'm at the point in my life, and I've told somebody this the other day, I feel bad because every now and again I can't take it anymore and I have to say things. And sometimes these are people I don't even know. But I can't tell you the number of times I've been at a local place having lunch and, you know, and my kids are, are involved, so I know enough to be dangerous, and I hear some parent and I hear them say, oh, the politics. We got screwed by the politics. And then I have to turn around and go, no, you didn't. Because I promise you, if your son was good enough, he would have started. No coach plays a kid that isn't better than the kid that's starting. There's no way. It doesn't happen. Not in this town. I promise you that. Because if you lose, you're going to get fired. Okay? No coach is saying, I'm not going to play that kid when this kid is superiorly better. Now, what I am going to tell you is, do I think for one minute, and you know what, I'm going to say this, because I'm, I'm going to give coach some scenarios, because I have some that I absolutely believe in, that if you're on the losing end of it, you don't believe in. But it's reality, so get used to it. 
Okay, we're going to talk about it here in just a second. I want to remind everybody, check us out, youthbaseballtalk.com. Subscribe to the show. You'll get a, a notification on your mobile device when you download it. Um, the best thing you can do there, which we appreciate, and you guys do do it, we got the whole Netflix thing going on. You can go back and listen to our whole catalog of shows. Um, it's been going on now for years. Go back, find one that might apply to something that you're dealing with. I've had great guests, you know, everything from big leaguers to some of the greatest influencers in the country when it comes to baseball. So we appreciate you uh, listening to the back catalog. Please do it at your leisure. Uh, social media, uh, guys, I tell you, I appreciate everything you've done for us when it comes to social media. You can find me on Twitter, at Podcast Baseball. If you follow us and you're involved in this wonderful game of baseball, we're going to follow you back. We're not really interested in having 10,000 followers and only following 100 people. We are interested in what you have to say. So follow us at Podcast Baseball. Uh, Facebook is our big push, guys. Uh, we're asking you to go to Facebook, type in Youth Baseball Talk in the search bar, uh, follow us, like us, and then click invite your friends if you wouldn't mind. And, and anybody that's involved in this wonderful game, let's get them involved in the conversation. Um, happy to be a part of lineupmedia.fm, the fastest growing podcast company on the planet. I'm happy to announce that uh, you guys have heard me talk about Yo Radio. They now have Yo Radio. Um, the newest uh, version of it came out today. It's fantastic. So go to the App Store on your mobile device, download Yo Radio. It's everything you'd hoped it'd be. It's a streamlining mu uh, media platform. You guys are going to love it. Lots of great things in store for Yo Radio. It's free on your mobile device. Um, again, uh, to all of the people out there that have made this show possible, thank you. Um, it starts, of course, with Earl Perrin and his group, including the Hall of Famer John Smoltz at the Rope Trainer. Um, each week I try to highlight uh, a different uh, one of our supporters this week. We're going to start right out with the guys from the Rope Trainer. Is you know they bring you dirt, uh, Kurt McNabb brings you the Rope Report each and every week. He does a tremendous job. Again, they couldn't have picked a better guy to get across what they're trying to do over at the Rope Trainer. So let's hear what Kurt McNabb has for us from Dirtbag Baseball Nation as he brings you this week's Rope Report. Hey, hey, Dirtbags, man, Kurt McNabb here, Dirtbag Baseball Nation, and what a ride. Are you kidding me? Not, 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 you play 162 games and, and you're going to a game 163. But, but what's crazier is not only one, but you've got two, four teams battling for two championship spots, league divisions. Okay. That is unbelievable, man. What a game. What a year. Sit back, enjoy this ride, and let's keep going. That, that was awesome. I can't wait to see what the rest of the playoffs are going to be like if that's what the regular season is. I can only hope that the next month is just an unbelievable ride for all of us. All right? That's good. Jim, great show today as always. Uh, I love it, man. You, you just keep pounding. And, and I got to say up front before we get going with the rope report that, uh, you know, hey, Great ride for the Cardinals. It just wasn't meant to be this year. All right. Obviously, it's not a prototypical uh, Cardinals team. You know, when you're leading the league in uh, errors, that, that's definitely not the Cardinal way. That's not how they get it done. Um, you know, there's other components that, that they just couldn't finish down the stretch either and stuff like that. But that's an outside observer and that. And just, hey, you know what? Come back, get them next year and let's roll. All right. All right, Dirtbags. Let's get going with the rope report. Um this week, I want to really talk about the importance of the connection between the coach and the independent pitching coach, all right? That's your coach and your independent pitching coach. Everybody has the best intention for the player in mind, all right? 
But I think what gets lost, I not think, I know what gets lost is, hey, you know what? Sometimes very ignorant people don't have the best intention of the other person in mind, the coach, the kid, and, and they're again, or sorry, the, the coach or the private instructor. So they battle, they fight, they 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 don't want to have anything to do with each other. And, and what ultimately suffers is the pitcher himself, okay? You, parents, if you're listening to this, dirtbags, you know what? Hey, you've got to get on the same page. You you cannot have that disconnect. You've got to get them. And here's a case in point. Last week, I was out of the practice, and I was watching a pitcher that we've worked with for uh, the last year in time. Now, he has a little bit too too aggressive a power angle, too early. Uh, not, I shouldn't say aggressive, too early in his power angle, so he almost leans uh, a little too early. But the bottom line is he's been having success, and it's because... I'm not, I'm not changing him yet because his physical strength isn't there as well. So he's throwing strikes. He's having success. As he gets stronger and, and more sound, he's going to stay back. He's going to go for a ride a little bit longer with his stride length and everything else, and it's going to fall into place naturally, okay? Um, but, but he's mentally feeling good. He's emotionally feeling good because he's having success, consistent consist on throwing strikes and getting hitters out. So they, they they had a young guy out there, a, a new uh, trainer, pitching coach, da, 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 da. and so uh, I'm watching him down in the bullpen, and they, they take him, and they go to work, and, and he sees this, and, and his eyes are seeing the right thing, and, and so he tries in the best in his mind to, to have that guy stay back, get him staying back, get him a little longer stride out there. The problem was it, it was an cha- a subtle little change, but an overwhelming mental change an emotional change and a physical change. And so he wanted him to get a little longer stride out of there to be able to generate more power and carry the load. But the problem is when you do that, at first your your arm just, you you lose your release point. You lose your arm speed because it's a just totally different physical drill and, and effect, Okay. So anyways, I let it go. I carry on. I'm there standing there with some other coach and they're going, man, why, do, why aren't you stepping? I go, this is important. This, this is a tough lesson, but this is going to be important over long term to validate what, how we teach and why we try to do this and get the mind right. So all of a sudden, Sunday comes around and I go out and I watch this young lad because he's going to start the game, uh, starting game one, his last game of fall ball uh, before they break for a little while and go indoors. All right. So anyways, the bottom line is, he got one out in the first inning, and that's all he was able to do. That was all he was able to do. I, I don't think he threw two strikes in a row the whole time. I watched him in the bullpen. I watched him warm up, and you could tell he his mind was trying everything in his power to do what he was told on, on Thursday night because he he wanted to be good for that person. He wanted to try his best for that person, and and that's what we forget. Players Players are playing as much for us as coaches or private instructors, as they are for themselves. And we can't forget that, but we do. So we overload them. And, and what to us seems like a small little gesture or, or act of kindness, and it could be right. Sometimes it's wrong. Sometimes it's right. But the bottom line is we know that pitching is a specific skill set. And if you don't have the amount of reps necessary, the physical strength necessary, and most importantly, the mindset, the mindset to understand what you're being taught and then be able to implement it, you're in a whole heap of trouble with every little bit of information we give them. To us, it's little. To them, it's huge. It's huge. And we cannot forget that. 
So he went out there and, and, and he finished that way. He was disastrous. His dad calls me and he's coming up with reasons why he didn't succeed and so on and so forth. And I said, look, it stop. This is the reason why. It's this simple. Boom. Thursday, he had something totally new brought to him. And, and then he tried to go out there. And you're trying to find reasons. No, that's why. And as soon as I said it, the parent goes, oh, my God, you're right. He didn't have the reps necessary with the new information. They should have waited till the off season to try to start implementing that. I said, exactly right. But it didn't happen. And it happens everywhere and, and all the time. Okay, I don't think there's never an intent, but my whole point in this is if you do not work with your coach and your private instructor and get everything on the same page, it's not working. So you're going to have disaster. I'm telling you, you're going to have disaster. And I see it all the time. And you've probably seen it yourself. All right. Because everybody wants to be the man as a coach, an instructor, a tutor, an educator, whatever. And, and they forget about the actual person, in this case, the player that they're working with. And now you compound that with their, their age and their mentality and their actual confidence. And, and you, can, you can really wreck a lot of careers. And that's why it happens. A lot of careers get wrecked because of this. And nobody, again, the coach doesn't take the blame. The private instructor doesn't take the blame. They pass it on to the kid. Oh, you didn't work hard enough. You didn't try hard enough. You didn't want it bad enough. So now not only did you wreck somebody mentally by by not explaining, not having the knowledge and the patience and, and the time to explain why and, and that it's going to take a while. You don't expect it to happen overnight, but you've now compounded that by saying, telling them it's their fault after they went out and did everything in their power based on what you said. You you not only wrecked the game of baseball for that person, but you wrecked life skills for that person. You wrecked confidence in moving forward for that player. So you better watch what you're saying and you better know what you're saying, but you better have the common sense to say, hey, you know what? Don't implement this the next time out. Go and stay within your lane, stay within your mindset, stay within what you know, and this is going to be a process. It's going to be a journey. We're going to get there. Then that kid at least knows, that player knows to relax and let it happen. Don't force it and make it happen. I hope this makes sense. If it doesn't, for God's sakes, reach out to me and let's get this thing going right. Pitching is a skill set. You got to respect it. Man, it is overwhelming. It is an overwhelming skill set for these young players. So for God's sakes, get on the same page and do it right. Because everybody has a private instructor. Everybody has a coach these days. So you better be on the same page or it's just not going to work. I'm telling you, it's not going to work. And you know it. Reach out to us here at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. You know I'm Kirk McNabb. You know I'll answer it. You know I'll talk to you all day, every day when it comes to throwing and pitching. It's what I do. It's what I love. It's what I breathe. All right? I love it. I breathe it. I, oh. But I want to have it done right, and I want to have it mentally done right so you know why you're doing what you're doing in order to have any chance of having success. Dirtbags, get out there. Watch these playoffs. Enjoy them. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy this month. Sit back, breathe, and have fun. All right? If you haven't got your rope trainer, I want to thank the boys over there and stuff like that. You know I, I, I believe that it's my throwing buddy. It, it incorporates it, it. It gets you the reps. It gets you the necessary reps. increases the power, the strength, everything else. Get over to www. 
theropetrainer.com and get yours now. Be sure to enter Dirtbag5. That's Dirtbag in the number five. All right? That way they know you heard it from me over here on the Rope Report. Okay? And if you don't follow us or like us, you can follow us and like us on at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. That's Instagram and uh, Facebook. And you can follow us on Twitter at Dirtbag number one. That's Oh, sorry, at Dirtbag Nation number one. Hey, you know what you got to do. You got to sit back. You got to ride. You got to watch those things. If you got some fall ball left this month, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, hey, you know what time it is, everybody. You know it. So let's say it all together. It's time to get up, get after it, and get dirty. Great stuff as always from my man Kirk. I know you guys love him. You love his passion. You love his energy. And again, that you know, if you're if you're passionate about this game, you're gonna love a guy like Kirk. You're gonna love what he does at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. And more importantly, you're gonna love the passion they have behind the rope trainer. Once again, that's uh, theropetrainer.com. Check them out. The the rope is a tremendous, tremendous asset to 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 young kids everywhere. Young and old alike, to be quite frank. Um, passion, coach. I just said the word passion. You, sir, um, you know, it's funny. I got to say this, and I didn't want to say it. I just, uh, I invited Coach in. Um, He didn't see my second text that gave a time, so he came right over on a moment's notice, which I can always count on him. He's a, besides being a great coach, he comes across as a little rough with people, but he's, but he's really kind of fun, and and at the end of the day, he's a great human being. So I asked him on a moment's notice. He was at a lunch with a bunch of his friends and left and came right over. Well, we had 45 minutes to kill, so. We go down to the local coffee shop downtown here, and we walk in, and no seats, no seats. And I'm sitting here going, well, this was a real good idea. And, of course, somebody recognizes him and says, why don't you come take our table? I'm happy to give up (laughs) my table for a legendary coach. So I thought, oh, boy, here we go. Here we go. But he is legendary. So that's why I have him, and this is why this is where we're going with the conversation today. So, Coach, passion. I said the word passion. I think you have to have passion to do this and do it right. Am I naive and don't think that in, in certain towns and in certain places they're just lucky as hell just to get a coach? Absolutely. I, I get that, and I understand that. But for the most part, coaches give of their time. They get in their own wallet a lot. They spend a lot of extra time working. But I will say this. Coaches are also human. They're absolutely human. And when you start getting a human element involved in anything where decision-making is going on, there is always a chance that you and the guy making those decisions are not going to agree. Add into the fact that sometimes, think about, the, think about the, the thoughts, and not arguments, but the differences you might have with a coach when it doesn't even involve your kid. Now add your kid into it, and if you get the short end of the stick, in your opinion, you're going to get passionate. Coach, um, you're a passionate guy, but I've had so many conversations with you over the years, and the one thing that I think people... You know, a lot of people would always tell me, especially when I was getting to know you years ago, oh, yeah, Coach Powell didn't take any crap. He didn't do this. But that is that is true. But on the flip side, you always respected the parents and the fact that they, they were passionate about their kids. There had to be a way to deal with this where you took into account that passion. Well, there's no question about it. My golly, you coached that many uh, seasons like I did. But I handled parents a little differently. But I've, I've had experience. I've been through the ropes. I knew, you know, you make mistakes, you try to correct them. So what I would do if I knew there was going to be a bad parent, and I and you know who they are out there, then you try to address them, meet them up front before you, and, and to take care of any issue. Secondly, if you meet a parent during the season, which happened very rarely with me, because I think most people knew me, 
they might not like me, but they knew I was fair, honest, and consistent. And that's where you got to be. You have got, you can't play politics. You play the best one you got. I don't care who it is. But let me bring up an, uh, a situation in 1998, my last year in baseball. I had two third basemen, and both of them were good. One was a better hitter. One was better defensively. So that's a wash. Now it comes down. One's a sophomore. One's a senior. So now you lean a little bit toward the sophomore because you're going to have him three years. But the main reason, this one kid might be able to influence my team in a negative way. And I'm, I'm only gearing up. See, a lot of coaches gear up to win one game. I'm geared up to win state because I've been through all that regional, sectional stuff. I've been to state five times. So I know what it's like to get there. I know how to get there. But I want to win the thing. So I got to make a decision from a different standpoint than a regular coach. They probably would have kept the senior and, a, and the hitter. I kept the sophomore and the defensive guy and and because of his attitude and because I didn't think he would be a positive attitude and he will do whatever I tell him. The other kid had a little bit of a, you know, like any kid, he was a little bit uh, maybe not listen like you want. So you've got to surround yourself. So there's a good example. My golly, that parent had every right to be mad, the senior's parent, and he should be, and even the kid. And I felt bad about it and always have. But the thing of it is we won state. We won 40-0. We must have done something right. So, But the thing of it is I had to keep, as a coach, who was going to help the team become a championship team. So sometimes you've got to vary. And that's one of the things I hated most in baseball is cutting a player because they all come out there because they love the game or they want to be a part of something. Now, another thing I used to do is I'd tell the kid, you're not going to play any. But I, he says, I want to be – do you still want to be on the team? He said, yeah. I said, all right, you can go down there and catch pitchers. Well, you won't believe this, but in 1990, we won the state again in 1990. I had some great players. And guess who the kid said was the most valuable player? The kid that caught the bullpen all year long. He got in seven innings. He got to bat once. And to this day, him and I are friends. And they said he's the most valuable player. He had to squat all day long out in practice and during the game and never got to play. So we all loved him. And to this day, he still talks about that team, what happened. And I said, let me tell you something, buddy. You were a clog and all the kids thought so. So you might not be a stud. You not, might not be the star, but you can do something else also. You know, when it comes to parents and their in their things I, part of it is i don't know that they really know what's going on all the time i'm going to give you an example um i love baseball i love it um i can't get enough of it i mean i'm i'm not a crazy dad when it comes to like i want to go watch my kid i'll go out and watch practice because i just want to watch i don't give a. I, I, of course i care about my son I like to watch practice. I like to get better. I like to learn things, especially when I'm teaching the game myself. I love to watch baseball. It's hard for me to sit in my office in October knowing that there's open field going on. I can go down there and watch all these kids that I've known for 10 years go out and, and sandlot style it up in front of the coaches sitting in the stands. I love it. I enjoy it. Okay? I love it. i tell you what else I love. 
because I have so much so much respect in this town for the coaches. I love to watch tryouts. Not listen, I'd never had to worry about either of my kids. I didn't feel like making the team. So I never watched tryouts to be like, oh, I hope they get a fair deal. That wasn't the point. Okay. And I've said it a hundred times on the show. My older boy was an average player. My younger boys, I think he's above average. I don't know that he's great. I've never had to worry about them making the team. Okay, so that's not why I watch trials. I watch trials because I'm fascinated by seeing what kids can do. Uh, kids that I see and that I know, um, their athleticism, how, what they do in games, how it transcends. I just love to watch it. Well, I can tell you some, let me give you some scenarios of some things that have happened. Okay, I have some friends whose kids did not make teams. Okay, and I had to sit there and listen to their parents tell me, yeah, he came home tonight and said he did great. Said he got a couple of hits in the inner squad, uh, made three or four good plays, and I'm sitting there going, I watched the whole thing. He struck out three times, and he made four errors at third base. But that's not what the kid went home and told him. Now, let me tell you something. When a kid tries out for a sport, and he goes home and he tells mom and dad full-on lies about how he did, why do you think that is? He doesn't want to let mom and dad down. I mean, do you can, can you think about this? Do you live in this house where Johnny comes home and, and you say how tryouts go, and he looks at you and goes, not very good. I struck out three times and made some errors at third. And think about this, guys. For a kid to lie, it tells you that we live in a world where we have parents. It's bad enough we get on them when they make bad grades and they don't do this and they don't do this. Now they're trying out to play a sport and they come home and they're not good enough for that and you're going to yell at them over that too? That's the only reason to lie. Why would you lie? It's like working out. You can't. You're only, you're only lying to yourself if you don't do it. So if a kid goes to tryouts and he's awful and he doesn't make the team and all he's told you is how good he is, well, I think a parent's going to get emotionally charged up. So that's where some of it comes from. But what's the root of the problem? The root of the problem is how you've handled it from the get-go to make the kid feel like he's got to lie to you about how he did. And that, at the end of the day, is where the issues come. That's how it happens. I've seen it with my own eyes. Not kids I don't know. I'm talking about kids I know, and I know their parents. And I get a call saying, how do you think tryouts went today? And I don't even tell their parents I was there because I know they think I was a goofball. And I say, oh, I don't know. You know, Logan said it went okay. And they say, yeah, you know, so he said it did. And I'm like going, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let me, let me give you the caveat. Let, let me give you the real problem here. And this is where I want coach to come in. Because I think you guys think, oh, well, Jim, you're talking about stream can't. No, I'm not. I'm telling you as I sit here in this chair, it's not just the kids that aren't very good. One of the best players I've seen roll through here in the last 10 years, his dad called me and said, yeah, man, I heard, you know, a couple of, couple of, couple of balls in the gap and this and that. And I'm like, you, listen, I, in my mind, I'm going, there's no doubt your kid's one of the best players on the team, but he struck out. He had two at-bats today in the inner squad, struck out both times, and didn't even get a ball hit to him in the outfield. What do you mean he threw out a couple runners and, and, and a couple of doubles in the gap to show his speed up? What do you mean? This kid is one of the best players they've had in 10 years. He's lying to his parents about how tryouts went? Do you think he's just doing it for no reason? We have lost our minds of how we handle these kids and the amount of pressure we put on them. Let me promise you this. There's enough pressure on them. So if the life lesson you're teaching them is everything's tough and everything has pressure, guess what? It's inherent in the game. It's already built in. You don't have to do anything. Coach. Well, this goes back not just – I've heard this a lot since I got out of coaching. Well, the parents are different now. Bull. The parents have always been that way. They were like that back when I played. 
I mean, we had a situation when I played, and the coach was taking me out during the game. And I said, Mom, why is he taking me out? And she heard it every night. I mean, I wanted to play every second of the game. And she got tired of hearing it. So here's the way my mom did things. She said, well, let's get with the coach, and we'll ask him. So we go in, me, my dad, my stepdad, and my mom. We go in and have a meeting. He looks at mom. He says, no, I'm taking Tom out because he's exhausted. He goes so hard, and he's, he, you can see him starting to drag, so I'm giving him a breather. My God. See, but that was a coach's fault. He should have told me that, too. And then I would have would have accepted it, but he 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 didn't tell me that, so that was part of his fault. But let me go back to one thing, Jimmy, and I haven't told very many people this story. My son is playing a first year pitch. I go to the game, watch the game, and he bats thirteen out of thirteen. He strikes out three times. His last strikeout. And I haven't told very many people this. I go behind the Dipsy Dumpster down there at Hoppy Field in Edwardsville, and I cry like a three-year-old kid. I can't. I mean, I feel so bad for John. I am so down because that's it. Well, to come to find out, he couldn't see. He needed glasses. So that's part of it, too. I even cut him as a sophomore. My son, nobody loves a boy anymore, and I love my son. I cut him as a sophomore. Because don't tell me I'm playing politics. I got to live with mama, you know, the rest of my life. But I cut him because he couldn't see and he was little. Now, if he was a freshman in college, I would have kept him because this guy's like a Hulk Hogan now. Because he grew and matured and, and he, we fixed his eyes where he could see. He had an operation. So don't tell me that, you, that I don't know. See, that's another thing that did help me with parents. I know where they're coming from. I cried. They're crying. But at the end of the day, a coach is hired to make those decisions, those hardcore decisions, and to put a team together. And sometimes I might not even be one of the better players. You're going to play players to win you championships once you get to that mindset. You know, the, some of the toughest conversations I've had with people is, you know, I, I go, I see them. I haven't seen them in a while. I show up at a game. They, they pull me aside because they know what I do. They know how involved I am, and I get the, I get the speech. Well, we're going to do this. We're gonna do this. this is daddy ball. And I say, well, what do you mean it's daddy ball? Oh, well, you know, this guy, his kid plays short and leads off. And I watch two innings of the game, and I have to look at the parent, and I go, well, he's the best player. I, what, I mean, what do you want me to say? Yeah. He's yeah. the best player. Sure. Now. Again, I know that's not always the case. That's not my point. But I've had to have that. So my, where, what I really mean by that is we are so ingrained to find a reason to defend our kids that we don't even see the reality. Again, I would have said the same thing. I, well, I have. I've had the same thing happen where they're like, well, it's daddy ball. Let's check this kid out. He's playing shortstop and he's leading off. And I watch the game and I sit there and I, I think to myself, I can't believe somebody would do that to their kid. He's really, it's not that he's not any good. He can't even play there. Yeah. And he's playing shortstop, and there's plenty of kids I can see that can run and throw and do all these things. And, and the kids – and it's like I can't I, – I have a hard time fathoming that people would actually do that. So it is – I understand that it's out there. But, again, we're all big boys. We're all big girls. We have children. Make a decision and go out and find what's right for you. But in this case, what we're really focusing on is when the kid now is older 
and really doesn't need you anymore to basically, like I say this all the time, my son's 16. I don't think he needs me anymore. He drives himself to the field. He does all this kind of stuff. If he ever came to me, I'd say, talk to the coach yourself. He'll respect you more than he will me if he had a question. So the crux of the matter is, is who are we really helping with this stuff? So, Coach, I know you have some thoughts on these parents suing. Um, can anything good come of this? I don't think so. For the parent, it's going to cost them money. The lawyer's the only one going to get rich over the deal and make, make something out of it. You're not going to win, I don't think. I'm pretty sure they won't win. And secondly, it's going to put a little uh, stamp on the kid when he goes to school. Well, that's why nobody wins. In the, even if they were to win and the kid ha- is placed on the team, I, how can that kid I, – I, that's a hard one. And, again, I, I feel bad for the kid. I mean, I, 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 it, this is not a good thing. Well, I got a grandson out in Arlington playing football his first year. He's uh, he's a stud. He's a 162-pound uh, freshman. I weighed that when I was a senior. So, And he's fast, and he's an athlete. But I've been giving him tips on, on – he, he doesn't play the game right, to tell you the truth. I got video on him. He doesn't run, carry the ball right. He doesn't do this these things right. So I'm trying to coach him a little bit. But – at the end of the day, I said, the first person you got to please is yourself. Did I give it all I had in practice once I crossed the white lines? Did I give it all I had in the game? And that's very hard. To, you're asking a lot when you ask a kid to do that. And secondly, you got to do what the coach tells you. Because if you don't, even though you might be the best, he's not going to play you. He can't trust you. You know, I want a guy that can come through with uh, two outs and a runner second in a tie game. That type of player I want, and that's hard to find. I don't want somebody up there that doesn't have the discipline. Discipline is the key, and he doesn't have the discipline to come through. Now, that said, it's very, very difficult for coaches. And and Jim said it, addressed it earlier. It's a thankless job. You get paid a couple of thousand dollars. My last year. I got paid $100 for every victory. 40 and 0, $4,000. You tell me anybody that's going to work as hard as we do for 4000 bucks? I mean, and, but here's the problem. Some people thought I got overpaid. <laughs> but the thing of it is, guys, no, you're not going to win in a lawsuit. And, and you, the only people that win unless it's a big one, a million-dollar one, then are the lawyers. But – that emotion and all that stuff that the parents have for their kids. And let's face reality, they live through their kids a lot of times. That's They that's weren't the very good athletes. They weren't very good athletes. Or they were really good and they expect their kid. Uh, yeah, either or. Either one of those scenarios is kind of bad. The better coach, to me, is a guy who wasn't that good because then he doesn't expect everybody to be great. So there's all kinds of variables go into this, folks. And uh, all I can tell the kids out there listening uh, is do your best, and if that isn't good enough, then do something else. And if that isn't good enough, then just go out and make some money and be happy. <laughs> make some money and be happy. Well, again, I I understand that there's tons of different situations out there, and people will say, well, you can't put them all in one thing. I mean, I'm talking about the generalization here. And, again, make no mistake about this, and I say this 100 times over, okay? Coach has got a tough gag. But if you really – the only advice you can give your kids, 
that I think you can, and, and I'm not just saying it's because of the advice I give. I didn't come up with it. I didn't make it up. It wasn't like an epiphany, and this is what I'm going to tell my kid, and he's going to do it, and everything's going to be okay. I also know that's not pot. I, I also know that that's, you know, who knows if that's true or not. But what I do know is this. Over time, I've grown as a parent, as a man, as a coach, as a guy that loves my kids. I'm trying to help them give themselves an opportunity in life, not just baseball. So you have to handle things a certain way. And when it comes to sports and it comes to an individual who's going to decide whether or not my kid is good enough both to make a team, then get on the field. And, and again, this is what I've, always, I've said on the show a hundred times. I tell my kids, make the team, find a way to get on the field, find a way to stay on the field. And if you do that, you're going to have you're going to at least give yourself a chance. Now, when it comes to the reality of it is, some guy making a decision if that's good enough. Okay, I have to respect that guy's decision. Now, as a parent, I sit there and look at things and I think, well, I, I, I'm not quite sure about this, but I've never had that issue. I've always looked at it. With my older son, I looked at it. Would I have liked to have seen him be a bigger part of that state championship run team because he could pitch a little bit? I would have, but I couldn't honestly sit there and say he was better than the guys that were getting the innings. He just wasn't. So it had to be good enough that he was a team leader, that the guys looked to him for – for, you know, to, to encourage, and that he did everything that was asked of him. And then when he did get called upon to pitch, probably in less stress games, that he went out and did his job and had the time of his life and has something now he'll remember his whole life. And that's got to be okay. And if it's not, then we got a problem. Okay? So bottom line is this. When it comes to coaching, never forget this. And this is what I've told my kids, and you can take this, you can use it, you can throw it in the trash, you can do what you want with it. But I tell people all the time, never forget these things. Number one, chances are you're not there at practice. Okay. Lots of decisions get made at practice, folks. Okay. Lots of decisions get made at practice. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, I have to say this, uh, a lot of you guys either bury your head in the sand or you have no idea what your kid's really doing in his spare time. Okay. Let me tell you who does know a lot more probably about your kid's extracurricular activities than you do. If you choose not to know. Okay. I don't like, I have a hard time believing, like, I know all the things my kids do that aren't real good. I know. I try to help them. I try to be a parent, try to be a mentor. But you know who does know a lot a lot about your kids is the teachers and the coaches. They know a lot. You know why? Because they're around their peers all the time. Okay? They know. If your kid's doing drugs, if your kid's drinking, if your kid's uh, uh, no good at school, causing trouble, disrupting class, doing all this kind of stuff, I, I, I find it hard to believe that you don't suspect at least, if not know. Okay? But I promise you who does know, coaches and teachers, they know. Think about it. What do you do? You go to work every day. I don't know what your field is. You're probably pretty good at it. I don't care if you flip burgers or if you're a lawyer. You're pretty good at it. Why? You do it every day. What do you think coaches and teachers do every day? They are around your kids every day. Let me interject something here because I taught so many years. Grades are a reflection. I'm just going to help the parents a little bit. If, if your kid's an A-B student in the eighth grade and A-B student is a freshman, now all of a sudden he's getting C's, D's, and F's. There's a reason. It's not that the curriculum got that much harder. It gets a little harder. But there, there's something going on. That's a warning sign. So if I had a, a parent, we have parent-teacher conferences, and most schools do, I'm sure. If a parent would come in, I'm not going to fluff it and tell them, oh, your kid's great, like most, like a lot of teachers do. I'd say, look, his grades are suffering. He's not handing in his homework. He is bright enough to do better than a D, and he, he just doesn't have the work habit. 
I would check him out, and I'd go right to the point. Drugs, alcohol, or he's got a girl problem. In other words, his girl disteem or they're having problems. That's the big three. Drugs, alcohol, and girls. And let me tell you what. We've all been in school. The pressures, the peer pressures, that they're, if they're at a party, are monumental. They're even worse than when we were in school. Now, I know my buddies drank, and I didn't because I was playing sports. And they wanted me to drink so bad to get me in trouble, or well, let's get piled to have a beer. I wouldn't do it. Not, not that I'm a great person, but my coach said don't drink, so I didn't. Now, nowadays that's even worse because the parties down here and the peer pressure, and let's face reality, a boy wants a girl and a girl wants a boy. And where are you going to see that? At a party. And how do you feel a little bit looser? I guess drink, because the girl's drinking, so the guy's going to drink. So, folks, parents that are listening in, look for some telltale signs. Look who they're running with. The environment and the people they're running with are monumental also. So just be aware of those things. And that's another reason I think parents like for them to be on a team, because it's a more of a positive type of thing. So that's why I told you earlier, get them involved in something. I don't care if it's uh, hanging posters at homecoming. Do something. Get them involved that's positive. Well, I'm going to fin- finish with one last thing to piggyback off what you said, and that's this. Very simple. Uh, when you start looking for telltale signs as a parent, unfortunately, we all th- – hey, listen, we have to be their parent first, right? Like, you have to be realistic. I think the biggest issue is that we got a lot of parents, and I – listen, some of them are my friends. I've heard them say this. Not my kid. Well, what do you mean not your kid? Like, he can't – listen, what you're saying is my kid can't make a mistake or do something wrong. See, see just ask yourself how absurd that, that sounds. Okay, that's number one. Let me tell you – let me give you the last little thing that I'm going to tell you. If – if you're like very like if, if you're educated enough to look at the situation and say I don't get it I'm not that bad I'm not going to make a big stink but he is he's really good he throws hard he throws strikes he gets people out boy he hits the shit out of the ball he he makes all the plays he's not playing I can't believe he's not playing that's a that's a warning sign something's wrong then I've personally seen a couple of kids roll through here in the last five or six years that were really good. I'm not going to say they were a ton better than the guy playing in front of them, but at times when things weren't going so well, I did sit there as a parent, not as a parent, as a fan, and go, I wonder why this kid can't get a chance. Well, then you find out a couple years later that he was, he was a little bit of trouble. Caused trouble in the locker room. Caused trouble on the bench. Caused trouble away from the field. Guess what, folks? You just heard the man. Four grand. Four grand. You work on it. You don't work on it for three months. It's a year-round deal. Don't let anybody tell you it's not. Okay? Four, four grand. How about this? Not only that, if you're not any good at it, they're going to get rid of you. It's not even like, well, we're lucky to have you for four grand. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. If you're no good at it, we'll go ahead and get rid of you. So now, you're, now you've entrusted to do something that you're, you're doing because you love it. You have to love it. Okay? If you don't love it, then you're an idiot. Okay, to deal with all of this for four grand and you don't love it, that makes you an idiot. Okay, so you love it. It's what you want to do. You're dealing with, you got all this stuff going on, and you're telling me that you're going to entrust your thing to a kid that's trouble? Nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it in my job. I wouldn't do it in my work life. Why would a coach do it? 
Okay, so there's another one. You want to start really getting real about this kind of stuff? Look at it. I, I Listen, I don't know this kid from Ladue. If his parents think he's really, really that good, which it's, you know, from the first email, my first thought would have been, man, if, if the coach really, really thinks you have some skill, what's going on here? Like, I would go to my son first and say, hey, are you telling me everything we do? And you know what? Some people say, well, that's not fair to the kid because what if he hasn't done anything? Guess what? You got to have hard conversations with your kids these days. We don't, it is, this isn't Mayberry, okay? We got drugs on every corner. Even in, the, even in the nice, rich towns, okay? We got kids with fake IDs at 16 buying booze, okay? We got kids driving next to me on the highway going 70 miles an hour texting on their phone. Get out of Mayberry and have some hard conversations with your kids because I've said it 100 times over. I, the, the last thing I want for my kids is for the first hard decision, first hard thing they have to decide in their life is whether or not to drink and drive. Shouldn't have I had some really hard conversations with them before that so that they understand how serious all this is? And now we're going to get back to where we started, and we're just talking about high school sports. So if you can't handle that, how are you supposed to handle life? Okay? We got kids lying to their parents. I know it. Both kids that aren't very good and kids that are the best on the team lying to their parents about how tryouts went. That is insane to me. That tells me we have underlying issues. And here's the thing. It isn't just for the kids that aren't the best. It's for the kids that are the best, too, because they're trying so. So think about this. The next time they do bad and you yell at them or the next time that you give them that look that you think, oh, they need that look from me. No, they don't. The next time you think I got to do this and I got to do that. The next time you think you got to do that, I want you to remember that some poor kid who had no chance of playing lied to his parents about how he didn't tryouts. And then I want you to go to the next end of the spectrum and a kid that I know personally, okay, that got a scholarship and went and played junior college and now is at one of the top baseball schools in the country starting in center field, lied to his parents too. You know why? Because he didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to hear another word about how he's doing. And he knows that if he tells you how good he did, you'll say, great job. And at the end of the day, that's all they want to hear is great job. Even if it's not the best job in the world, it's their great job. Okay, I know it sounds corny. The, the only word you need to say to your kid after a game is I just love to watch you play. But you know what's funny about this? And I'm going to end it right here. You know what's funny about that? I remember when that all started and, and the Mike Matheny thing, and I loved it, and I read it, and, I, and I, I, I've told the story on the show. I read the Car Ride Home blog that he wrote, and I cried like a baby by myself down in my living room at 10 o'clock at night, and I woke both my kids up and hugged them and told them I was sorry. Told them it never happened again. That was a lie because it did happen again. Because I'm human and I'm awful. Okay? It got better, but I still did it from time to time. Because I'm a human being and I'm awful. Okay? But the reality of it is this. The one thing that sticks with me is this. The, the phrase, I just love to watch you play, is true. Because at the end of the day, I do. I miss watching my older son play baseball now that he's done. I miss it. I know that my younger son's a junior. And while I hope he's going to play in college, and I think he will, I know that that time is limited. And I love it. I talk about the Miguel Tejada quote on here all the time when he, they were moving him back and forth between third and short. And the guy said, you're an all-star. This is the Oakland A's, and they're moving you off a shortstop to put some kid out there? Doesn't that bother you? And he looks right at the guy and says, I like playing baseball a whole lot more than I like playing shortstop. And this is an all-star guy that won a home run derby and all this other kind of stuff. I feel the same way about parenting. I would rather watch my son play than not. So why would I try to ruin it for him? So that he doesn't even want to play anymore. Think about what you say to your kids. I know you think some of it's helping. And again, I trust me, I'm with you. I know we think we're helping, but sometimes we're hurting. That's all I'm going to say.
Coach, thanks, man. I appreciate it today. Okay, Jim. Yeah, uh, you'll be back. I know you will. I can count on you to come back in next time we got an issue, and <laughs> you can handle it. <laughs> oh, next time you're buying lunch, though. You just bought me a coffee or a tea. It wasn't even that good. I know. It's $5. Yeah, but I bought lunch yesterday. Yeah. All right. Hey, I appreciate you. You're a good man. Thank uh, you for your time. Uh, All right, the, Jim. A lot of kids. Uh, listen. Enjoyed it. Let me tell you something. When you got a guy, I'm the last thing I'm going to say about Coach Pyle. Coach Pyle had a reputation of being a little bit of a hard ass. Okay? He coached hard. He coached fair. But, you know, he was one of those guys that you could hear him. You, you saw the emotion. Let me tell you something. Parents don't want that anymore, and I don't know why. Because let me tell you, I know lots of coaches like him. He's not the only one I know like that. But now that I'm 48 years old, I'm out in public. These kids now that they coached for years have now become young men. And to a man, I can't tell you the number of times I've been with this guy to my right, some of these other guys that I haven't mentioned their names today, and these kids come up and they hug them, and they talk about their life, and they talk about their own families, and they talk about all the things that they're doing. And do you know why? Because the one thing kids don't understand that we tell them is that someday you're going to understand. And we as parents are taking that away. You, we, 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 you got to be careful what you wish for, folks. You want coaches to be easy on your kids? What are they going to do when it's not easy? That's all I'm going to say. Well, I, I want to interject something because I was tough. But what I tried to do, which might be a little different, I was hard on them, very hard because I wanted them to be the best they could be. But never, I shouldn't say never, hardly ever was there a day go by that I didn't strip a guy that he didn't get an arm around him because I tried to find something positive he did that day and put an arm around him and finish him and the team off with a positive note. But at the same time, you got to be consistent. You just can't be hard on one or two. I had an All-American football player that I used to make him cry in drills. He, We would do football drills, and he would cry and say, Coach, that's enough. I can't take anymore. I don't care. We're going to get you ready for a tough football game. And he's an All-American, and to this day, one of my favorite, uh, a good buddy of mine. But the thing of it is leave them positive not only i'm telling you that as a parent get on them be tough be consistent but at the end of the day be positive and find something to love them for good stuff coach appreciate you thank you um let's go now to my good friends uh at precision impact it's time for their precision impact tip again Guys, don't forget they deliver the equipment and the training that you need to win. When it comes to hitting and fielding, it's one of the core fundamentals of baseball. You need to get as much hitting practice as possible. Unfortunately, there's times when it's a safety issue or a space issue, and it prevents normal hitting practice. Fortunately for you, precisionimpact.ca, you can get your slugs, squishies, flux balls, all great for practicing in areas where baseballs would be unsafe to do so. They've got great pricing right now. Get on there. Uh, again, you're going you're gonna to love these quality items. Um, I've used them. Tremendous stuff. Get on there now. Get your order in, precisionimpact.ca. Maybe arm care and throwing, okay? It's a strenuous activity. Uh, uh, again, proper recovery is vital. Uh, it's so important. Um, if you want a long-lasting career, uh, you got to, you know, young athletes, they wait too long. Uh, they have the injury, and then they want to talk about arm care. Let's be proactive here. Get the tools you need to throw like a champion. Stay in injury-free. They've got that covered for you, too, at precisionimpact.ca. Arm care and throwing. They've got your hitting and fielding tools as well. Don't forget, when you check out 10% from Youth Baseball Talk, type it in, Youth Baseball Talk, you'll get your 10%. Let's see what Dirk Dombrowski has for us this week. Take it away, bud. 
Thanks, Jim, and thanks, Youth Baseball Talk. My name is Dirk, and on today's Precision Impact Rundown, I'm joined by Brandon Howe, fitness and nutrition coach for young adults and athletes, to talk about a very important topic as we enter our fall and winter season, which is nutrition. And um, I get this question a lot lately from you know athletes that are around 14, 15, and a little bit older, talking about how they need to gain weight. So you know this can be a pretty controversial topic because so many people have their different opinions about whether or not to gain weight and what to be eating and all these types of things. So I wanted to bring on Brandon Hell to help me today. Welcome, Brandon Hell. Thanks for having me on, Dirk. Yeah, no problem. So, so I, I'm sure that you get this question quite a bit from um, clients of yours, whether they're being young athletes or older adults, and it's a lot of weight manipulation. They're just talking about always trying to gain weight or lose weight. Um, and so when it comes to athletes, specifically what we're going to talk about today, um, you've probably heard it a lot about athletes wanting to gain weight. Now, what are your thoughts necessarily about whether or not athletes, especially young athletes around the age of 15 or, or a little bit below, should, are, should they be gaining weight or is there other things they should be focusing on? Um, I mean, it depends on their, on their specific goals and where they're at. Um, if they're looking to get stronger, then gaining weight can be good for sure. Um, but it depends on their body composition as well already. So um, it could be, they could just have to find, you know, how to stay at their maintenance while maintaining high energy levels. Um, and maybe if they're, if they're skinny, a lot of kids are, are you know, pretty skinny. They have high metabolisms at, at a young age. Um, then maybe, yeah, it is good, good to gain weight. But because that can have a, definitely a direct, direct effect on their strength. Yeah, and I, I get that all the time. Like, I, they just say they want to gain gain weight without understanding what their goals should be, and that's usually the first thing I ask. Um, if I have a sit-down consult with some of the young athletes, I always make sure, sure their parents are present, and I always ask them three questions. How much do they want to gain, in what time frame, and probably more importantly, why? Um, and a lot of young athletes say, well, I'm just young and I'm small and I'm scrawny, but not realizing that their body composition is simply setting their weight at whatever it is so that they can perform optimally. And I think, I think a lot of kids don't take into account them making sure they can still be agile and speedy um, and athletic, right? Gaining weight can have some pretty detrimental effects. Now, could, could you talk a little bit about the side effects of gaining, you know, a quick five or a quick 10 or maybe even a quick 15 pounds? Um, what kind of effects that could have on some athletes' performance? Yeah, that that would definitely have a lot of effect on endurance because, yeah, now they're, if, if they gain a quick quick five, and, I, and when you say quick five, quick 10, that would be, you know, 10 pounds in a month, five pounds in two weeks kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's definitely going to have a big effect on endurance. So, and it's going to add a lot of stress on the joints just when, you know, walking around, running around, that kind of thing. Um, so you definitely want to educate them on, um, you know, when you're gaining weight, if you want it to be quality weight that can therefore translate into actual useful strength that they can use for performance, it's got to be slow and steady. And that way it's also going to be more muscle and less fat. And I think that's a lot of other kids don't understand that there's just so much more to gaining weight and, and gaining weight isn't an automatic transference of gaining strength. You know, it's, it's got to happen fairly naturally. Um, for young athletes these days, you know, there's obviously a ton of gaps in their nutrition and a ton of gaps in their eating. What could you think of are a few things that young athletes around the age of 15, 16, maybe as old as 18, what are a few things that you think they could be doing um, that are really simple that could help them either gain weight a little bit more naturally or in improve their nutrition so that they can perform a little bit more optimally. 
At a young age, it should just come down to understanding that um, calorie balance is number one. So on on a, on a daily level, because um, I remember um, playing hockey growing up, um, coaches and and other kids would always tell you, "Oh, just have like pasta before your 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 um before the game, before practice, and and you'll have a lot of energy." Um, but what have you eaten the rest of the day? Is that all you're going to have? Is just that pasta before before your game or your practice, or um, or are you eating uh, consistently throughout the day? So just understanding that they need to eat consistently, um, and it's it's an all day thing, twenty four seven, seven days a week thing, and not just you know have something before your 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 practice or your game. Yeah, I, I think a lot of kids un, unknowingly to them uh, do a lot of fasting, right? I talk to a lot of kids, and I'll have them I'll have them ask about their breakfasts and lunch and stuff like that. And a lot of a lot of young kids these days admit that they just don't eat breakfast, and then you know they don't have much for lunch, and then they gorge on dinner, uh, and then repeat the process. So I think it's I think it's it's sort of counterintuitive that kids say they want to gain weight, they want to get stronger, but they just have zero education when it comes to eating. Um, and I think they're kind of fighting against themselves a little bit by not understanding that you do need to eat consistently. Um, not necessarily six square meals a day. And some kids just don't have the time or the patience or, or parents don't have the time to be making those kinds of meals. But I think by getting educated, it's really, you're going to start taking a little bit more ownership and making sure that you're getting up. And you might not have a big breakfast, but you're going to maybe drink um, some kind of shake, um, maybe have some kind of small granola bar and then a snack in between. Um, there are just so many um, so many ways of staying up on your tr- nutrition, but I think kids... T- Put a put a big back door on nutrition and don't don't understand how important um, it can really be. Um, so wh- why do you think weight is always the first thing athletes try to go to um, instead of you know I, it's always strength is always third on the list, but weight is always number one. Why do you think weight is such a huge factor in kids' eyes these days? Um, this- Mostly just like a body image thing, like a lot of kids that are young, again, they have high metabolisms and a lot of them are, like a, a, a big majority of them are, are just scrawny looking um, and and they notice that and they think that, you know, that translates to the performance and maybe it does, but um, yeah, like, I mean, like I said, maybe they do need to gain a little bit of weight, but they just have to be educated, like, like you were saying, they have to be educated, so... Um, I think the first thing is, yeah, just letting them know that um, it does matter. Um, me growing up, I was definitely one of those people who would skip breakfast in the morning just because I didn't think it had, a, had an effect on my performance. So, um, so yeah, education is number one. Just get it in their heads that they, need to, that they need to eat and consistently in the morning, even if they don't feel like it, and that's going to positively affect their, their performance. I also think that a lot of the time that you'll see, you know, there are going to be, you're going to size up three 15-year-olds next to each other. And, and a lot of the time, there is going to be a bit of a difference. Um, some are going to be taller and leaner. Some are going to be a little bit broader and wider. And some are going to be just uh, flat out the bigger kids. And so, and especially some of these winter programs where you're going to see um, kids that are all as young as 14 training alongside kids that are 18 and they look at these 18 year old kids and think well I'm not that big I've got to get that big in order to perform that that well kids automatically assume that they need to start gaining weight when the reality is is they need to realize that that kid that young athlete is four years a four-year gap between them Um, and I think when when young athletes can start just reflecting on themselves 
and start thinking, what is it that my performance needs? What is it that my game needs in order to improve? Instead of constantly comparing themselves to other kids and the size of other kids and all these types of things, it's really easy to get wrapped up in thinking that weight is going to be the issue. Instead of maybe um, hiring a fitness coach and testing some of your numbers like a squat or a deadlift or a shoulder press or a bench um, or your 30 time or your 60 time and starting to just look at your numbers and think, okay, well, let's get these numbers up. A lot of the time in order to get stronger and faster and more athletic does not require you to gain weight. In fact, it's quite the opposite. In order to maintain that athleticism and that um, spryness, you need to make sure that you're staying at a relatively decent weight and not gaining unnecessary weight. So I think there's a bit of a misconception there. And um, it, it can be challenging for young athletes to know what it is they need to do. There's just not a lot, ton of guidance out there. For So So f- to wrap things up, Brandon, what do, what do you think um, young kids need to start doing in terms of seeking out guidance? What do you think is the best way to gain pr- um positive guidance in whether or not to gain weight or what their steps should be? Um, so yeah, just doing a little bit of research. Um, I think it's just really important to get kids interested in it um, and just make sure that they know that it's important. Um, and then when you when they start focusing on their numbers like you were talking about earlier and they're trying to get those up, um, just helping them understand that if they focus consistently on improving their, their diet and nutrition over, over time, that's going to have a positive effect and maybe looking at that 18 year old um, and uh, and thinking, OK, well, over time, if I if I focus on all these small things and nutrition, especially um, I can one day look like him and perform like him, um, then that's that's just where it starts um, at that age, going to coaches, uh, teachers in school um, and just people who are older and asking about that kind of stuff is good. So really just getting them interested at, at a young age. I totally agree. There's a ton of resources out there. So um, as always, make sure that you're you know, contacting professionals, doing some of your own research first, taking matters in your own hands. As I always say, no one's going to take care of your business better than you. So it's going to be really up to you, the athletes, as well as the parents to make sure that you do your diligence. Thanks for everything. Take care. Great stuff as always. And I appreciate Dirk. Uh, again, I know you guys are loving it. Um, he does a tremendous job. And again, precisionimpact.ca is where you need to be. Don't forget youth baseball talk in the coupon discount area, 10% off. You guys will not be sorry. Uh, last but not least, as always on the show, um, EliteBaseball.tv's training tip of the week, Justin Stone. Sorry about your Cubbies, pal. I know uh, now now you're re- not, you know you're always working, but uh, you're going to have them hitters now coming in saying, okay, next year uh, losing in the uh, losing in this game is not going to not going to cut it. Wild card's not going to cut it. We need World Series, so let's get to work. So I know you got your your hands full. But uh, as always, you have time for the kids out there with your tip of the week. A little bit different this week. And talk a little bit about the off-field stuff, some nutrition. Take it away, Justin. Thanks, Jim. Justin Stone here from EliteBaseball.tv. And I'm going to say something today in my podcast that's a little bit more controversial. How often do we hear this as a hitter? Use all fields. Hit the ball where it's pitched. And I'm telling you right now, if you're the coach or a parent of a youth athlete, you're setting them up for failure by teaching them this skill. What I mean by that is figure out who your hitter is. Like all hitters prefer to do something with the baseball. This is what I ask all the pros that come in here when I'm working with them. I say, what do you like to do with the ball? What do you do when you're going well? And what could we do with the ball better when you're not going well? And you're gonna have answers of one of three categories. I like to pull the baseball, I'm a middle-middle guy, or I'm slight opposite field. 
So what I want hitters to do is embrace what they do well, factor that into their approach, and use 60% of the field rather than the whole field. Now, don't get me wrong. If I'm a pull side guy, I'm going to hit some balls the other way, but I'm not doing it on purpose. I'm doing it because I was late. So if I'm a pull side guy, I want to embrace using 60% of the field. If the ball is in, I'm going to pull that ball. But some of the, most of the home runs that you will see, I won't even say some, most of the home runs you'll see on ESPN that are pulled in those highlights were middle of the plate and sometimes a little bit off-center, slightly away of middle of the plate. And they're being pulled into left-center field for a right-handed hitter for a home run. So the approach that we have as a hitter is embrace what you do well and don't try to do something that you're not proficient at. If I like going slide up and I struggle on the pitch in, I'm going to take that pitch away and try to embrace that I'm going to stay center of the field to slide opposite. If I'm a middle-middle guy, I'm cutting off both corners of the plate until I get two strikes on me, and I'm staying in the middle of the field gap to gap. That's my approach, 60% of the field. If I'm a pull side guy, even that ball slight off center, slightly away, I'm pulling that ball into the left center field gap as a right-handed hitter, and the pitch away, I'm hitting up the middle. So this is what I work on in our lessons and our teamwork and our approach. I'll get high school kids that come in here oftentimes that are really fast and really good at pulling the baseball. And I say, what do you want to work on today? What do you need to get better at? Well, coach says I need to get better hitting the ball the other way. And then I ask, why? I said, well, they told me I should be able to hit to all fields. And don't get me wrong, that's, that's been baseball coaching for, for 60 years, but it doesn't mean it's right. right? So I said, okay, we're going to take away the skill that you do really well your slugging percentage and power numbers tend to be to the pull side, and I want you to hit flares now to the opposite field. I want you to hit ground balls through the right side. You want to be really good at being a hit and run? I'll tell you what, the college recruiter that's looking at you right now is not going to pay you for hitting ground balls through the four holes, a right-handed hitter, and you're 6'2 and 200 pounds. They want you to hit it over the left fielder's head. Figure out what you do well, embrace it, get better at it, and simplify your hitting approach. So by using 60% of the field, Figure out which side of the field you like to work to, slightly pull side, middle, middle, slide up, and be really good at it. Until next time, this is Justin Stone with EliteBaseball.tv, and we'll see you on the field. Great stuff as always, my man, and as usual, um, never, never, ever fail. That's my man, Justin Stone. He does a great job. EliteBaseball.tv, if you don't have it, get it. Best training aid you'll buy today at, for, uh, for 99 bucks. All right, guys, thanks for coming uh, to the show, thanks for tuning into the show this week. Again, youthbaseballtalk.com. Do your Amazon shopping there. Subscribe to the show. Find us on, uh, on, on Twitter, at Podcast Baseball. Find us on Facebook, Youth Baseball Talk. Again, you can also find us as part of the lineup at lineupmedia.fm. Yo Radio, download it on your mobile device. You'll love it. To our friends at uh, Perfect Pitch and Throw, The Rope Trainer, I'm telling you, it's where it's at, theropetrainer.com. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have them from big leaguers to little leaguers. Check it out today. I'll see you guys on the field. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm.